Happy New Year. Let's pray as we continue our time of worship together. Father, we are so thankful for you, for your Son, for Christ, that we can turn our eyes on him and that he has nothing but love for us, that he loved us so much that he gave up everything that we might have life and forgiveness and eternal life in his name. We just want to be able to fix our gaze on him right now. Be encouraged by him right now as we look into your word, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, resolutions, it's it's the new year, so love or hate them, New Year's resolutions are all around us. And I remember one year, I really got into New Year's resolutions. This was, you know, into 2018, going into 2019. And I decided, you know what? This year, I'm going to go further. I'm going to do better than I've ever done before. You know, ignore the fact that, you know, I was, you know, a young dad with a wife and two sons at home, one more son on the way, and I got a full-time ministry job. On top of that, I was doing my Master's of Divinity at Southern Seminary, and I was saying, okay, you know, I've taken one class at a time, I've taken two classes at a time, but this, I'm going to start this year, I'm going to take three classes at a time. Some of you are already laughing, you know where this is going. Um, and so I said, I'm going to take three classes, I'll be able to do it. You know, on top of that, you know, I'm going to start this new GTD producti- productivity method. And then this was when like that uh, Marie Kondo life changing magic of tidying up, whatever, was really big. So I'm like, I'm going to get organized too. And I'm thinking I'm going to do all this stuff and it's going to be the best. This is going to be the best year ever. And I'm going to, I'm going to exercise and eat healthy too. And y'all, I mean, I didn't make it out of January. You know, I started feeling the burn and I'm just letting go of as many good intentions as possible just to, to keep my head above water. And I'm still doing school, full-time ministry, family stuff. And, and y'all, it gets to, to April, and I am about to crash and burn. And I remember, you know, I'm in the middle of, towards the end of the semester, I've got big paper due, and then I've got a big leadership retreat at my job coming up. And this is Thursday night, and I'm stressing out. And Laura Catherine, she goes to bed, put the kids to bed. And so I'm up. I'm saying I've got to get this schoolwork done so I can focus on the leadership retreat during the weekend. And I'm just trying to get my schoolwork done. And I just got to a point, y'all, where I just froze. And my, my chest started getting tight. And I just, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm drowning. And I remember... I just got on my knees at our, our sectional couch, on the corner of our sectional couch, and I just got on our knees. And, and you know, normally in that moment, I'm trying to, you know, pump myself up. Like, you can do this. Like, take care of business. Get after it. But in that moment, I think God was just so kind to me. And I think the Holy Spirit brought to mind the verses that, that we're going to look at today. I'm so excited uh, to look at these verses with you because... You know, I, I started, I had good intentions for 2019, but it was all about me. And I needed in that moment, as I was just on my knees at, at my sectional couch, I thought of these verses and it brought peace in the midst of my storm. It made me laugh at myself and it gave me joy in, in my struggle because it reminded me 
That my story is not about me. It's about the bigness and wonderfulness of Christ. It's not about my striving. It reminded me that God is in control and he loves me. Full stop. Maybe you can relate to how I felt that night. Maybe you're in a really stressful season where responsibilities are weighing heavy. Maybe you're discontent at how 2021 went and you're ready to turn over a new leaf in 2022. You're mad the bulletin said 2021 this morning because you're ready. You're bad 2021. You're ready for 2022. Or maybe, you know, you're the person that, you know, you've given up on resolutions a long time ago. You're just trying to make it through each day. Maybe that's where you're at. Wherever you're at, we all want to get to that place of contentment, that place where we're satisfied, where we can take a deep breath, where we can be content, where we can rest. Maybe many of us have that one thing that we go back to over and over again, and we think if that one thing was taken care of, then I could breathe a little easier. Then I would have things a little more under control. Maybe if I had that, maybe God would actually like me. We want that feeling so often, but it feels like we're chasing after the wind. I mean, how often it feels like we we come to work or we start the day with a to-do list and then the day's over and somehow the to-do list is longer than it was when the day started. Or how many of y'all ever feel like this? I feel like, you know, life is like a race and I run as hard as I can trying to get to the finish line and then I look up and it just feels like the finish line is getting further away no matter how hard I work or all the stuff I try to do. And this reality, we all feel it in one way or the other. It can bring so much stress, angst, anxiety, frustration, and apathy because we know we're failing. We know we can't do it all. It never feels like enough. And for some of us, we think we are succeeding, and that's just as dangerous because we think we've got to keep striving to keep it up, to maintain it, or it will all fall apart. That voice that's in our heads, it's all up to me. I've got to, I've got to hold this together. Where should we turn when we face this? I want to encourage us together this morning as we go into a new year to turn to some hope from God's word, to reality that I believe can get us out of this cycle. I want to look at the verse that gave me comfort that night on my knees, on my, on my couch. I was drowning under that stress and that sinking feeling that I could never do enough. And these verses helped me be grounded in the love of God in Jesus Christ. And I'm excited to share them with you this morning. So if you have your Bible, open up to the book of Hebrews. It's towards the end of your Bible. If you want to look at the Pew Bible in front of you, it's page 967. Or you can read along with me on screen. If you're able, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. You may be seated. So these these verses are like a lightning bolt that the author of Hebrews starts his letter with. And they're great to look at after Christmas because the writer of Hebrews is starting his letter and many say it's a sermon. He's saying Christmas was the beginning of the climax of history. The climax of God's story. He starts saying God had spoken in various times and in various ways, but in Jesus coming, the shadow has now given way to reality. And he picks up that theme throughout Hebrews. The shadow of what was to come has now given way to the reality of Jesus, of God speaking totally and finally in his son. This is the climax of history, the climax of God. Story. He had spoken in various times and various ways, but this is just like a key theme, a climax echoed in, in some of our favorite stories. Like Jesus is like the boy who lived. He's like the Neo of the Matrix. He's like the one ring to rule them all. He's like the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet snap. He is the one through which all of history, it bends around him coming and God revealing himself in Jesus Christ. It was all building to this. Jesus came and he was superior to all. He's supreme over all. In these verses, the writer of Hebrews establishes that. Jesus reveals to us God because he is God. The author of Hebrews says he's the exact representation. He is God. He's like God standing in the mirror. Not just a reflection though, but he is of the same being. He's like, my students will know this, he's like that Spider-Man meme. Y'all know when Spider-Man's pointing back at Spider-Man, it's like, oh, we're the same. That's Jesus is God in the flesh. God with skin on. And that's what Hebrews is establishing here, just as other books in the New Testament establish. Jesus was no mere man born in a manger. He was God incarnate. God himself. He is God. And not only that, he is supreme over all time and existence. Jesus is Lord and supreme and superior over the beginning The author says he's the creator of all things. He's supreme, superior over the end of time. He says he's the heir of all things. And he's supreme, he's superior over every time in between, like right now. It says he is the sustainer of even this moment we're having right now. Jesus is sustaining the reality we're experiencing in this very moment. He's supreme over the beginning, the end, and everything in between. This is the God we serve. These are his qualifications, but it gets even better. What did this supreme being, most qualified one, what did he do for us, for you, for me? With all his greatness and majesty, how did he yield it? What difference does he make for us? This is the good news I want us to zoom in this morning. Verse 3. The end of verse 3 he says, After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down 
at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This supreme one, exalted one, ruler of time and space, God himself, he chose to make purification for your sins and for my sins. And he did so not incompletely, but completely and fully so that he sat down at the right hand of God on high. What did he do to purify us from sin? This purification of sins comes from the cleansing Christ bought us through his death. The good news at at Christmas is Jesus, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. But Jesus came for a purpose. And that purpose was, Matthew 121 says, he will save his people from their sins. And he saves us not by just living for us. He lived in our place, but then he died the criminal's death on the cross. We each deserve to die for our sins. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price for us. And then he rose again. To show that God accepted his payment for our sins and now he's ascended at the right hand of God on high. Exalted and one day all people will bow before this amazing God, this amazing Savior. And at Jesus' death, he has those seven final words, those seven final sayings on the cross. And my favorite one, the one that gives me rest in my soul when I'm striving, is what does Jesus say? He delivers his spirit. He says, it is. Is finished. The payment required for your sin and my sin. It is finished. These verses he made purification for sins in in Hebrews 1 3. It shows Jesus doing it himself. Jesus, we could never save ourselves, but thanks be to God, Jesus has done the work for us we could never do. And the verb used, making purification for sins, it's showing the completed action. Again, there's no incompleteness to your salvation and my salvation. It is fully done and paid for. And even Jesus sitting down at the right hand of God, it contrasts what the author of Hebrews is going to point at later in the book of Hebrews, showing that the work of the high priest in Israel's day is much different than the work of the high priest Jesus Christ. He says in Hebrews 10, 11, through 15 it says day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again this was the shadow he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but when the priest Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins he sat down At the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is the good news. Jesus isn't up in heaven with more work to do. No, it is finished. The work done to save us has been accomplished and achieved. Because of what he has done, verse 4 goes on to say that he... He has a name much greater than even the angels because he's done something no man, no angel, no powerful being could ever do. He's become the mediator between us, sinful human beings, and a holy God. He's the perfect bridge, the mediator to bring us back into the presence of God. He's the only one qualified better than the angels, verse 4 says. So he has a name much better than them. 
We are secure in what this supreme exalted one has done for us. Jesus isn't up in heaven running around frantically, stressed out, wagging his finger at us for messing things up. No, he's, he's seated in the position of power at God's right hand. Psalm 110 says he's, he's at this exalted position until one day his enemies will be made his footstool. And the best part is what, what is Jesus doing sitting down? Is he just sitting there, you know, playing checkers or just chilling out at God's right hand? Is he just bored? No, this is the best part. As we struggle through our current broken reality in the broken world, we're not alone. Jesus, the exalted one, seated at the right hand of God, what he is doing right now is for those who've trusted Jesus, he is interceding. He's praying for you right now. He's praying for us constantly. Hebrews 7.25 says that he lives to make intercession for you and me. This is what he's doing. He's thinking of you. He's praying for you. He loves you. He's not bored. This is what Paul celebrates in Romans 8.34 where he says, Who is to condemn? Even though we sin, we mess up every day, who's going to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God right now, interceding for us. This is the good news. No wonder... Paul celebrates in Romans 8, 38 and 39, he says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor anything else in all creation, nor height, nor depth, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is interceding for us right now, praying for us in all of our brokenness, in all of our hurts, in all of our struggles. We have a great high priest who secured our salvation and is seeing it through till we get to see him face to face. We are not alone as we go into this uncertain year ahead of us. I just invite you, if, if you have never trusted this Jesus before, maybe you've heard this message about our Savior a thousand times, but you've never truly surrendered to him. I pray right now you would. Maybe you've never heard this before. I would love to talk to you more about it. Our pastors would love to talk to you more about what it means to have a relationship with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. He wants us to trust in what he's done for us. The, the main point, the, he, the author of Hebrews tells us the main point of his, his sermon, his letter, in Hebrews 8.1. He says, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. He's saying, Any, this is the main point I want you to get as you live your life, church. We, you're not alone. You have a high priest who's seated at God's right hand. He's interceding for you. He's finished the work for you. You're saved. You're secure. This reality changes everything so that we can follow the main exhortation Hebrews gives us in chapter 10, verses 35 through 39, where the exhortation is for us to hold fast to our confidence in Jesus as we go into our lives, into this new year. Hold fast to your confidence in the sufficient Savior. We have hope, peace, Forgiveness, freedom, not in anything we've done or could do, but in everything Jesus has done for us. Why does our heart fight against this? Embracing this reality in a chaotic world is easier said than done. 
But this is what we are to be together as a church. We're to come together in worship and in community and remind each other to look to Jesus. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. Look full at His wonderful face. Where God has spoken His finest and final word. You are loved. You are saved. You are not alone. We don't need most anything new, any new diet, any new you know, self-improvement plan going into this new year. No, we need most to hear these words that we see in Hebrews. To hear the words spoken to each other of encouragement of the gospel of Jesus saying, It is finished. You are loved. This brings us into to God's presence. And this is what we need most in 2022. Because there's everything around us is pulling us to abandon Jesus' way, truth, and life. And go a different way that seems a little more tangible. That seems a little more controllable. A little more visible. It's easy to disbelieve that God is who He says He is. And that He truly loves us. But if we want true freedom, we have to live in 2022 with a focus on what is done rather than what is to do. A focus on the love of Christ for us. But how? What exactly are we supposed to do with this? What's the application? What do we need to do? To answer that question, I want to read an excerpt from the end of my favorite book I read this past year, other than the Bible, of course, uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's about the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. He ends his book on the heart of Christ by saying this. He says, this is a book about the heart of Christ and God. But what are we to do with this? The main answer is nothing. To ask, now how do I apply this to my life, would be a trivialization of the point of this study. If an Eskimo wins a vacation to a sunny place, he doesn't arrive in his hotel room, step out onto the balcony and wonder, how do I apply this to my life? No, he just enjoys it. He just basks. But there is one thing for us to do. Jesus says it in Matthew 11, 28. Come to me. Go to Jesus. All that means is open yourself up to Him. Let Him love you. The Christian life boils down to two steps. This is my favorite part. Number one, go to Jesus. Number two, see number one. If we knew His unwavering heart for us, we would. With that in mind... I invite you, church family, to make a New Year's resolution with me. You have notes in your bulletin that I want you to turn to now. And again, I I say this again, not saying that other resolutions are bad. I'm a guy who's made way more resolutions than I ever probably should. Or I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. But what I am saying, and I believe from the authority of God's Word, what I think Jesus is saying to us is unless we live and work and resolve from a place of rest in the finished work of Christ and the love of Christ, we will miss it. So I invite you guys 
New Year's resolution. Put your name at the top. In 2022, I resolve to go to Jesus, let him love me. Go to Jesus, let him love me. Go to Jesus, let him love me. I was going to put D down there, all the above. But Pete didn't put that on there, so it's all good. But done is greater than to do. This is what I want to launch you into 2022 with, what I want to launch myself into 2022 with. I I encourage you to to put, maybe cut this out, put this on your fridge or your desk or at work, on your mirror, on your dashboard, on your car. Wherever it would be most helpful to remind you this year that what is done for you is greater than what's to do. That it is finished. That Jesus paid it all and has purified you from your sin. Your eternity is secure. He's not shaking his finger at you again in heaven. You know, he's scolding you to get his act together. No, he again, he's at that position of God's right hand praying for you. Even in your current sinning and failures, he's saying, I've paid for their sin, God, that you can't hold their sin against them anymore because I've already finished the work they needed to be saved. They're good. They're mine. I love them. This is our great savior. This is why first John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Just because double jeopardy. God can't punish us for sins that have already been paid for. Jesus paid for them. That's the good news we can rest in this year. Our love of our Savior. Radical love that changes everything. And we're about to go into a time of communion. Some of you might have seen me fiddle around with this little communion cup up here. I remember in college, my college pastor, who was a man that discipled me, helped me grow a ton in Christ, and just an amazing man of God. He's a pastor in South Carolina now. I remember I went into his office one day, and I saw he had this, you know, old plastic communion cup on his desk. And I said, Tim, why do you have that on your desk? Like, why didn't you just throw that away or leave it in the pew? And he looked at me. And he said, Austin, I I keep this on my desk because every day I struggle with feeling like I'm not doing enough. I feel like no matter how hard I work, it's never enough. But I put this on my desk so I can look at it and be reminded every time I see it that I may not be able to do enough, but Jesus is enough for me. That he has paid it all. That he has poured out the cup of God's wrath that I deserve. He's emptied it. It's done. It's finished. I'm saved. He is enough. And so now I heard that. I was like, that's pretty good. And so now I keep these in my office to remind my fickle heart the same thing. Jesus loves me. It is finished. I'm safe. I pray that you would find a way this year to remember the love of God in Jesus Christ, and that it is finished, it is done, and that Jesus will love you through whatever you're going to, whatever you're going through. Let's pray. God, as we continue our worship, going into the Lord's Supper and Communion, what a what an awesome time to remember and celebrate. And bask in the good news of what you've done for us 
We know this is a broken world. The, the future is uncertain. Who knows what's going to happen? But we know who is one. We know who is seated in the place of authority at the right hand of God until one day he will return. And God, he will make all things new. We are so thankful for our mighty Savior, Jesus, who used his power and authority to humble himself, taking the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men. And he did not see equality with God, a thing to be used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself. He became obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, dying the criminal's death we deserve. Because he loves us that much. He loves us right now. You will love us through. Help help us fix our eyes on you. Turn our eyes to you this year, Jesus. May we help each other turn our eyes to you. May you bless our church family. May you use us to, to help others turn to you in this coming year. This is the good news the world around us needs. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.